Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series Reboot. I'm Jessica. I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Mouse is back. <laughs> Tell a friend. Oh no. <laughs> well, how are you doing, Jess? Oh, I'm doing a lot better than last week. <laughs> yeah, sound it. You got, you got a pep in your step? <laughs> Look, I'm a singer. It's it's genetic. There's nothing really I can do about it. <laughs> How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. I uh, got a new graphic novel Ooh. that came in the mail. It was a, another Jim Woodring book, the, the Frank series that I told you about. It's called Poochie Town. And I'm really excited to read that. I had a whole bunch of children in my house yesterday for the 4th of July, and they are gone. So that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm up to the point in my uh, Star Trek Next Generation watch where they finally meet Scotty. And uh, I was not prepared for that. <laughs> oh, did you get all emotional? A little bit. Aww. <laughs> I, lo- I really have a lot of love for the original series. So whenever they have those cameos, it like gets me a little bit more. <laughs> That's good. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. I don't know. We're talking about Reboot. I feel like Star Trek has to come up at some point. But you're right. We should get to the episode. So today we're doing Season 2, Episode 8, Gigabyte. So this first aired on December 27, 1995, which is the same air date as the previous episodes. They were both aired back to back. Oh, was it? Yeah. They're, this one was written by and story by Phil Mitchell and Susan Turner. So we're also seeing the condensation of the writing group here and some continuity between it too. So obviously this four-parter they were giving to specific people, specifically Susan, it looks like, mm-hmm. and, and having that, that continuity of writing throughout it, which I think is pretty cool. And we open up right where we left off. Yeah, it's exactly where it left off. We've got like the giant axe in the middle of the city square and the giant robots being hauled away and it's just smacking into more buildings as it goes, <laughs> causing even more damage. Yeah, so it's, it's not only Bob's apartment that's been destroyed through this whole thing. We watched three more go down oh. as the robot lifts it away. There's this construction worker by Gnome who just kind of like smirks and then he like barrels the camera to deliver this monologue about how the cleanup is going. And for a while I'm like, who is... Is he just breaking the fourth wall? What is he doing? <laughs> uh, cleanup's going okay. Uh, apart from a, a couple of minor setbacks. It was kind of a fun, like, I really thought he was breaking the fourth wall at first because this is not the first time they would have done it in the show. But then you turn around, you realize he's talking to Dot the whole time. It was getting awkward for a minute. He was basically giving us a verbal previously on kind of thing. <laughs> Which, you know, for a cartoon then makes sense. Because this is, you know, having this kind of two-parter where you are picking up right from where you were left off for a kid's show back then was not something that happened often. Right. But this one, like you said, they aired back to back. So it's not like you had to wait a week to see it. Well, the first time. Syndication. That's where all the money is. Oh, yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, so we also get Bob sitting with Hex. They're surrounded by CPUs and Hex is drained. Yes, uh, Bob waves off the police. He claims that she'll only trust him and asks Fong if he has any idea what had been attached to her. Bob presumes that if the thing attacks viruses, the next victim could be Megabyte. Oh, crap. Megabyte is literally right there. (laughs) Yeah, he pulls that gag where, like, Bob's talking about somebody and then it's like, he's right behind me, isn't he? (laughs) 
And sure enough, Mega Venom is right there, smacks Bob across the street before grabbing Hexadecimal and passing his hands through her shoulders. Yeah, you could tell there's already some kind of weird mergey thingy happening right now. So Bob uses his glitch phase gun to smack Megabyte back into the wall and moves to get Hex out of there. He does this like awkward walk back towards Hex while he's talking to Fong on his wrist. And he uh, tells him that Megabyte was trying to merge and then he calls an Uber. I'm not sure how Glitch manages to get the car. Does Glitch drive the car there? (laughs) I wondered if he became the car at first. (laughs) But meanwhile, Black Panther comes back to attack. Hex is holding him off as best she can, so she's still pretty weak from that whole Nullzilla incident. But she's got some some super power rays coming out of her hands for a little bit. Which holds him off just in time for a megabyte to be grabbed by the claw. <laughs> this feels really familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dot's coming down with the claw to grab megabyte. He even starts to pull the same trick of infecting it, but uh, Dot's learned her lesson and manages to drop him in the middle of the city somewhere. Yeah, she's like, no dice today. (laughs) And meanwhile, in the Uber, Bob wants answers. You better start talking, Hex. You and Megabyte started to merge back there. Hexadecimal reveals that she and Megabyte are from the same viral strain and finally admits, he's my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Hex is really cracking up about that. She thinks it's hilarious and points out they always fight because it's sibling rivalry. So Bob is like, wait, so what would happen if you joined? And she's like, the next generation. And I'm like, is she talking about having a kid with her own brother? Gross. No, she's talking about Patrick Stewart coming back as the captain. Duh. (laughs) Bob doesn't like the sound of it because it sounds a little... Some some Game of Thrones stuff happening. (laughs) I think the brother-sister thing is like you know, not actual brother and sister because they're computers. They're as brother and sister as computer viruses get. (laughs) Just then, Mega Venom jumps onto the hood of their car and drags Hex out of it so they can consummate. (laughs) It's obscured by a bright orange light, thankfully. Yeah, and this takes no time at all. Bob is just watching in horror from the car as this bright light explodes and they merge into this creepy giant thing. Bob like records it on a vine so he can show uh, Fong and crew. (laughs) Do it for the vine, Bob. Do it for the vine. (laughs) And it looks kind of like the juggernaut with like a lucha mask. I thought he looked more like Spawn. That was the feeling I was getting for him. He was very 90s comic book. (laughs) And Bob's like, hey, maybe we can talk to it. It might be benign. (laughs) And Enzo's like, yeah, sure, Bob. Uh Uh-huh. Like, did you see his character design, Bob? <laughs> so he goes up to it. He's like, hey, so I'm Guardian 452, and you are? He immediately stands up and lets Bob know that I am become Gigabyte, destroyer of systems. And Bob's like, oh, so not nice then? <laughs> yeah, so he uh, lets off some more uh, photon torpedoes to no effect and gets tossed aside. Yeah, we even get these two huge gashes down his back. This is the first time I think we've seen Bob injured in the show, which later they kind of poo-poo by saying it's body armor. But I mean, <laughs> it doesn't look like body armor. Right. So uh, Bob dials Fong and is like, yeah, so it seems like he's still got Megabyte's powers, but I don't see any hex in there. And Fong says that she's probably still too weak. And if she was at full power, then they would have already opened a portal into the net. So, like, don't let that happen. (laughs) (laughs) So we got to power down the whole city. And Bob puts out a call for help. He tells Fong, he's like, shut it down. I'm bringing reinforcements. And Fong's just like, huh? We are everybody that you know. (laughs) (laughs) Help? From who? So we don't get to see here who he's calling out to help for. Um, 
I know, but... <laughs> what was the name of that Codemaster? Maybe Hose call him in. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's actually, he's putting a call out to, like, the wider net. But uh, as the city starts to shut down, he sees Dot headed straight for Gigabyte. She starts shooting at him, but it's completely ineffective. No, yeah, he just slashes it apart. And uh, <laughs> Bob and Dot manage to fly away as Gigabyte glares ominously. She call him Gigabyte. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a Back <laughs> to the Future thing. Do you like it? <laughs> Only if you do it in, in a uh, Christopher Lloyd voice. <laughs> so they start headed towards the core and their zip boards, but they don't get very far because the city is powering down and apparently their zip boards are attached to the city. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. So they, they lower down into an alley where they're cornered by Gigabyte. Bob looks worried, but Dot looks pretty happy in this shot for some reason. <laughs> they're very much in a horror movie at this point. We've got the ominous music and the alley as he comes down, slowly dragging his claws along the wall. Yeah, makes a big show of it. And they pull a reverse Han and Leia here as Bob goes to say I love you and Dot's like, I know. Enough of the uh, sentimental stuff, Bob. We're gonna die. I don't need that right now. So Gigabyte's like, hand over the keys. Resistance is futile. And uh, Bob sends Glitch flying off, presumably into the sun. Yeah, he's like, nope, you're not getting that power. He's like, fine. Two sprites will do. And then we get another Empire Strikes Back motif as his hand goes <laughs> flying. Oh, yeah. His, his arm is severed off by a katana-wielding mouse. You called, sugar? Mouse is back! Yay. She even manages to flirt for a moment. She loads them onto her plane and they get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> I just imagine that during the commercial break, uh, Gigabyte was just like, hold on, let me let me just get this attached. D don't move, okay? Promise? And they're just... <laughs> Just gonna get some super glue and just, oh God, now I gotta sit here and hold it for like a minute. <laughs> and Bob wonders how Mouse managed to get there so quickly, but she was already on her way. Right. That's not happy. She's like, hey, remember when you almost killed my brother? And she just kind of shrugs and she's like, yeah, I can kick you out of this plane too. If you like, I can put you back down there with our charming friend. Bob insists that they're both very grateful for her timely arrival, but uh, we don't feel that as they try and get to the principal office and Bong is like, nah, -uh, mm -mm, that ain't happening. I am not prepared to allow Mouse inside the principal office. Or, well, he was going to say that, except that Mouse has already hacked into the principal office and brought down the shields, so. Yeah, she's like, you can <laughs> grant me permission if you want, sugar, but I mean, I'm already here. <laughs> Uh, regrouping in the core, they repeat the information about needing to stop Gigabyte from using Hex's resources to open a portal. And there's a weird bit here where Bob just talks right over Dot. And he's roaming the yes, city Bob, now. But he's out there looking for energy now. And then everyone glares at her like she's the asshole. Well, it's, it comes right after the other. First, Bob starts the mansplaining. And then Mouse just picks up on it and starts doing the same thing to her. And this really, like, shitty move on her part. So, meanwhile, Gigabyte happens upon an Indiana Jones-looking binome and drains the life right out of him. He's like, Kalima! And goes full transparent. And then tosses his body aside as he stares longingly at the principal office. God, I was like, whoa, dude! We, we've got a full-on vampire here. So, Mouse points out that Gigabyte is headed right for them. Or, she points out as Dot is trying to point this out. Right, Dot keeps, like, trying to get a word in and just keeps, like, getting shut down every time. Andrea thinks they're safe behind the force field, but Fong points out that the shield is actually just energy, which, you know, vampire virus wants to eat. Yeah, so Mouse thinks that they should try and keep Gigabyte away from the energy, and Bob's like, no, we should give him all the energy. Yeah, and he doesn't want to explain this plan to anyone. He never does. <laughs> He's just like, just trust me. And I'm just like, 
you you could just tell them. You could just tell them the plan. It's more dramatic just to say, I have a plan, and then cut away. This is not <laughs> how you work with people, Pop. This is not teamwork. <laughs> but his plan is to have Mouse use her jet to grab a tear from the energy sea while he keeps Gigabyte from getting to the principal office. But Mouse is going to need a hand with this. This is a two-sprite job. Someone has to go with her. Awkward pause. Awkward pause. <laughs> <laughs> and it's done. and so dot asks how she can help and mouse is just like make me a sandwich mouse come on (laughs) you're just falling into stereotypes right now dot almost murders her right then and there but we cut away oh my god and then bob arrives on the scene dressed all in black yeah he's got this cool body armor on now is that a uh, a video game reference is that like solid snake or something uh so the wiki mentions that's supposed to be a gambit reference but i feel like that's kind of a stretch i mean he does kind of have the little like cheek things that gambit has but like Jean gray has those it was very it was very 90s look for superheroes so i don't think i could pin it specifically on any particular one okay gotcha but it is fighting time it is bob turns glitch into a shield and he and gigabyte start throwing punches and bob is immediately punched all the way back <laughs> lands on his face is like puny human you really thought you had a chance against me but lucky for him he's not alone no wait that no don't. way we're a gang out of nowhere, Hack and Slash appear and just sock Gigabyte right in the face. <laughs> they're looking for their boss and they're not going to put up with Gigabyte. I feel like they've gotten bigger. Were they always this big? They might be a little bit taller in this scene. That's what I mean. Like, like, it always seemed like Bob was a little bit bigger than them before. And now they seem like they're the same size. Maybe it's because they're fighting in the side of righteousness that mm-hmm. they, you know, they're a little <laughs> bigger. <laughs> I almost spit out my drink. <laughs> <laughs> So Hack and Slash are distracting Gigabyte while Bob calls Fawn on the phone and releases the whole sector into the ocean. This scene, with Gigabyte just kind of impotently flailing at the bots while they just casually step back and forth in the background, was ridiculous. It was a little ridiculous, especially with Bob on the phone the whole time. They were not even trying to fight. (laughs) Maybe Megabyte was just taking it easy on them? (laughs) There's still a little bit of him in there somewhere. Yeah. But uh, either way, Dot manages to find a tear, and uh, they reach it. And so Mouse has Dot keep them steady while she goes out to lasso the tear. Using an electronic D20 of some sort. Yeah, these little rockets that connect to form one of them to surround it. Dot warns her that there's an energy fluctuation headed her way, but unfortunately the warning's not enough, as the tear sparks and throws Mouse off the lift. So she's fallen down towards the sea, and Dot swoops down and catches her with the cockpit window. Tosses her back in and just kind of looks at her like, Oh, by the way, you're welcome. And she manages to get a cheeky little wink in there, too, before saving her. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, Mouse does her thing. She humbles herself. Thanks, Dot. But Dot is the bigger woman at the moment and points out, No, they're even. And they head back to the tear. So meanwhile, Bob is still on the phone with Fong when uh, Gigabyte finally manages to grab Hack, and before anyone can stop him, he Kalimas him into a transparent husk. Oh, poor Slash. You don't you don't mess with that guy's life partner. Slash is so angry that he gives Bob's catchphrase. Oh my god, yes. That was great. Drink my friend of energy. I don't think so! And then punches him straight back to mainframe. He gives him a wallop. <laughs> And Bob's like, you idiot, I was trying to keep him away from there. (laughs) I like how Bob can barely do any damage to Gigabyte, but one punch from either of the robots and Gigabyte's out. (laughs) I mean, Hack and Slash, it's really the brain department that they have a problem in. 
the physical department, they're pretty good. I guess I'm confused. Well, because they always fall apart so often. So I just assume they're fragile. They do fall apart. I guess it depends if they're falling from heights and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So as it turns out, absorbing Hack's energy has given Gigabyte the ability to fly. And he floats over to the shielded office and shoves his hand in as if it's 3 a.m. and the core is a bag of shredded cheese. (laughs) Fog lowers the shield to deprive Gigabyte of power, but this leaves the principal office open to attack, which means the last line of defense is Enzo and Andrea. Help me, Andrea and Enzo, you're my only hope. Yeah, so Fong turns to the kids and he says, uh, you know what to do, and they just kind of grin creepily at each other. (laughs) When Gigabyte walks up to the core, he like walks really slowly he does and when he reaches the door he shouts all your base are belong to us <laughs> and he sees the kids there and he's like that's it two small sprites that's all you got for me which they're sitting there facing off against this giant virus and andrea points her arm out at him because she's got the little cool little crossbow thing on her arm to point at him enzo also does this i'm not sure what he's doing there he has nothing and then in comes Frisket. He jumps in and lunges at his nuts. <laughs> so Dot and Mouse are heading back to the principal office with the tear in tow. And Dot's hoping this crazy idea works. Mouse points out that it's Bob's idea. And Dot responds that that's what she's afraid of. <laughs> so they start to bond over their mutual lack of faith in Bob's idiotic plans. <laughs> Bob and Slash land at the principal office. And Gigabyte drops a drained and hurting Frisket. Oh my goodness. He's not completely transparent like the others, though. So Bob assures them that he'll be fine. Does that mean Hack is dead for good? No, they're not dead. They're just drained. All right, well, Frisket wasn't as drained, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so Bob manages to stall for time with Gigabyte, enough for Mouse and Dot to arrive with the tear. And they toss it onto Gigabyte, and Bob activates a splitter using Glitch to separate Hex and Megabyte. But what's this? They were having a three-way. <laughs> You saw it too? So which they know that there is a third entity. They're all very surprised by this third entity. But they did know about that from last episode. Yeah. They kind of forgot. They did. Uh, So they don't know where this third entity is from or what it means. They all fly off in different directions. Bob compliments Mouse that are flying and Mouse points out that Dot's the real hero. Of course, Dot uses that moment to shove Mouse out of the way. (laughs) So they're obviously not totally over the whole jealousy thing. And while everyone's congratulating each other, Bob thinks something rotten's going on, and we zoom in on Mouse, not looking suspicious at all. Mm, especially as she hits a ominously blinking button. We're all left to wonder what she's secretly up to. Remember, she was already on the scene before Bob even called for help. Yeah, she was already headed there. I'm with Dot on this 100%. I don't trust her. <laughs> she is a hacker. She is, <laughs> she's chaotic neutral. Reboot. So what'd you think about this one? This is pretty good. I liked that it was action from the beginning. We started right off with stuff happening. There was no waiting around. The The longest bit of exposition was just the construction guy letting us know what happened last episode. And Megabyte's already there and already attacking. Yeah, I really liked it. What I thought it was uh, funny and thrilling in all the right ways. Had some good surprises. It felt like they really upped the stakes. Like, I was genuinely worried about Hack. <laughs> Aw, poor Hack. <laughs> I still don't really like Mouse, though. Not sure what you see in her. Give her a little time. She gets better. (laughs) I was happy to see Mouse back, and I love that she's untrustworthy. I like that she's a little gray, morally. And uh, that's that's pretty fun. And I also love Hack and Slash being good. 
Well, not good, but less bad. I do like that. They're a character turn. They've helped out Bob and them in last episode, too. They, yeah, they helped him with Nilzilla. They helped Bob with Bad Bob, too. Yeah. When Megabyte was turned into a truck. They're not necessarily evil. They're just loyal to Megabyte. So if Megabyte tells them to do something, they'll do it. But but if Megabyte seems like he's off his rocker. <laughs> yeah, they definitely, they have a line. Like, he's missed three band practices. We don't know what to do. <laughs> We also never got to see what happened to poor, poor Nibbles. That's true. Yeah, they left that hanging. Did he ever get his story time? <laughs> Alphanumeric. So what do we have for trivia this week? Okay, so the first one comes from Gigabyte's first words. I am become Gigabyte, destroyer of systems. Yes. So this is actually a quote from the Bhagavad Gita, which says, Now I am become death, destroyer of worlds, which was famously quoted by Oppenheimer after the testing of the nuclear bomb. So we also get Gigabyte extending and dragging his claws along the alleyway there, which is a reference to Freddy Krueger in Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, right. Yeah. They're definitely going with the horror theme in that moment. We get Bob calling Gigabyte Bub at one point. <laughs> now, this could easily be a random word choice, but considering the other Wolverine motifs that have showed up in Reboot, I'm assuming it's Wolverine reference. Right. As Bub is his famous go-to. We get our very obvious Indiana Jones bino, which is our second Indiana Jones reference for the series, because the other episode we got the lady with the little I heart you on her eyes. When Bob has his cool black armor on, he goes into solid state mode, which is a reference to solid state disks, a type of semiconductor memory um, used to replace the hard drive disks. We see Mouse using a PlayStation 1 controller to lift up her plane. Oh, yeah, I recognized that. I didn't realize it was a PS1. Yep. And we also get the last sentence there where Bob mentions there's something rotten in the heart of Mainframe, uh, which is a reference to Hamlet. Uh, Marcellus says to Horatio that something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Mm. And then today, Gigabyte is voiced by Blue Mankuma. So Blue Mankuma's got a huge body of work, um, but most reboot fans would know him from Beast Wars, which was also done by Mainframe Entertainment, uh, where he played Tigertron. Oh, okay. So if you're a Beast Wars fan, you'll probably recognize him. So, uh, no game this week, but uh, I think you had something else lined up? Yeah, so we didn't have a game this week, but uh, we did see a reference to a game, which was Mouse's PlayStation 1 controller. This episode came out in late 1995. Uh, The PlayStation had just come out the year before. And the PlayStation was pretty revolutionary in the world of gaming. Um, So get ready for some fun PlayStation history. (laughs) Uh, The PlayStation was the uh, brainchild of Ken Kutaragi. Uh, So he was a Sony exec. And back in the late 80s, Sony was working with Nintendo on a CD-ROM for the Super Famicom. So the Super Famicom was kind of a predecessor or an alternate to the super NES. Mm -hmm. So they were thinking, Oh, maybe we'll do this. You know, we have this cool new CD ROM technology. We'll come up with something that works with CD ROM. And they partnered with Sony to do that. Uh, And it was all very hush hush for a bunch of years. And eventually Nintendo just said, you know what? Never mind. We're not going to do it. We'll work with you on other stuff. Sure. But we're not going to do video game stuff with you. And Sony was just like, well, no, screw that. We'll go off and do our own stuff. So Kudaragi had some real trouble like getting this off the ground within Sony after Nintendo and Sony split ways. Uh, Sony wasn't happy with the whole splitting ways thing. 
um, and they weren't sure how they felt about this going into video game things. And if they do video games, do we want to do 2D pixels or do you want to do 3D? But then the Sega Virtua Fighter came out in Japanese arcades and they were just like, yeah, let's do that. Everyone wanted to be Sega's Virtua Fighter. <laughs> uh, so they they went full speed ahead. He got to do his CD-ROM uh, idea. And in 1994, they reported that the Sony PSX would be released in Japan before the end of the year, which was later turned into the Sony PlayStation. Um, so that was December 3rd, 1994. So almost exactly a year before the airing of this episode. Um, and you can tell how intrinsic it became to the culture as we're already putting it in TV shows to be like, oh yeah, this is a video game controller now. You know, this is a huge step up from playing with the Super NES or playing with the uh, Sega. Right. This was this was something new and different. That's the history of the PlayStation. All right. <laughs> this is wrong. This is all wrong. So in the course of watching this episode, did you find yourself a frosty moment that you would like to single out as the winner of the Golden Pigtail? Uh, this is a pretty good episode overall, but I felt like some of the individual moments didn't sing for me as much as usual. Mm. Uh, but I will say my frostiest moment has to be the wink that Dot gives Mouse <laughs> as she matches her speed flying down there to save her butt. Uh, so, you know, Mouse, you're, you're kind of making me a liar here with your bad attitude. So <laughs> step it up a little bit and uh, appreciate that a little bit more for her, her funness here. So, yeah, a little, a little bit of a sly wink that she gives is my frosty moment for the week. How about you? So my runner-up frosty moment is when the robot is getting dragged away and knocking over the buildings in the very beginning. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a very funny background event. And the frosty moment winner actually is another background event. And that's when uh, Hack and Slash are kind of lazily fighting with Gigabyte and, you know, not really putting much effort into it. <laughs> <laughs> so that does it for me. That's going to be my uh, my winner this week. So did we get any feedback? Uh, Vindolph Dwarf, uh, at Vindolph on Twitter, uh, mentions that he remembers getting an IBM with a 2 gigabyte hard drive and thinking it could never get full back then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but that a virus that corrupted a whole gigabyte would be deadly. And I've honestly, I've never thought about it like that. I just assume, you know, megabyte is a funny name for a virus because it's a computer term, blah, blah. But I mean, if this was legitimately a gigabyte's worth of virus, I mean, that's your system right there. You've got nothing left. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't really bring up that uh, gigabyte's design. Our friend Kimura uh, brings this up that gigabyte's design was a perfect fusion of megabyte and hex's color schemes and design styles. Yeah, they made sure to get a little bit of both in there, which was pretty cool. I still see a lot of spawn when I look at it. And I think it's kind of that mask that he has on. It was very spawn reminiscent for me. Um, but they definitely were trying, trying to merge the two. You could see that in the visuals. So uh, Nolan Hayes brings up that uh, at this point, clearly mainframe had stopped giving a hoot about BSNP. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he wants to know if this episode passes the Bechdel test. I mean, it does. They talk to each other about something other than a guy. And we know both their names. So... They do talk about Bob at one point, but they also talk about tears and they talk about, you know, sandwiches, sandwiches <laughs> energy shakes. Yeah, you can't be going sandwiches. So 
I mean, it's barely, but it's there. Yeah. It passes. He also is curious whether what our favorite childhood consoles are, which he points out is relevant to the episode because we do get that PS1 controller. Yes, but I only had one childhood console growing up, and that was the Sega Genesis. So while everybody else was playing Mario, I was playing Sonic, <laughs> and that's where my, my love has kind of stagnated. <laughs> But uh, we, I didn't have another console, actually, until probably when the Wii came out, and that was given to us as a gift. So, yeah, like, I only knew Sega. Wow. <laughs> so our neighbor had the Sega. We would play with that. And then um, our dad got us a Super NES at one point. I got to play my aunt's original Nintendo with Duck Hunt on it and Jeopardy and Tetris back in the day. But my favorite has to be the PlayStation 2. There's so many good games that I remember playing and like loving, and they all are on the PlayStation 2. That I mean, it has to be, it's a classic console. It was probably one of the best PlayStation consoles out there. I mean, when you're talking about quality at the time. Is that the one that Katamari Damacy was on? I never played Katamari Damacy. Oh, that's such a good game. <laughs> that's one of my all time favorites. My husband just yelled from the other room that we do have Katamari Damacy. So. <laughs> well, get on it! <laughs> So on a scale of one to blatantly obvious Spinome, how intentional do you think it was by Nintendo that the default color of the GameCube was purple? <laughs> I'm going to go with like a three on that. <laughs> <laughs> three. So, so there's some intent. <laughs> maybe maybe one of the people designing it saw a reboot and was just like, huh, purple GameCube, that's a good idea. But I mean, I don't even know if this aired in Japan at the time. So <laughs> I can't imagine it was high on their list of inspirations. <laughs> We want to talk about Patreon real quick. We got a new $10 backer. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, thanks to Nolan Hayes for uh, joining us on the uh, $10 level. So uh, now uh, he can also see my little uh, <laughs> mini review <laughs> videos that I post. <laughs> They're only up for 24 hours. I've been using the Patreon lens thing. It's kind of like a little testing phase right now. So, <laughs> so if you too want to see Ben's face as he watches an episode <laughs> or talks about it. Yeah, no, it's not like a live stream of me, my face because that would be awful but <laughs> just like a little quick clip of me kind of giving a brief general review it's a little teaser for the podcast so also nolan will be getting a sticker in the mail and on top of that he gets a fun nickname oh that's right nolan gets a nickname well i feel like we talked about nolan at least once an episode yeah. uh, he's always there at the feedback and the questions and the the cool conversation starters so i'm gonna go with nolan number one fan Hayes. don't we already have a number one we had, oh, we might have had a number one. Or was it number five? I don't remember. We had a number five. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to find out. <laughs> so thanks again, Nolan. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we really appreciate all of our Patreons. So if you want to check us out, we're on patreon.com slash income again. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. So Ben, do you have any recommendations this week? I do. In fact, <gasps> And we're going to break the cycle of comics for once. And I'm going to recommend the new Gorillaz album that just dropped. It's called The Now Now. And it is entirely my jam. I was very disappointed with Humans. Like, I'm a big Gorillaz fan, but Humans just did not work for me. Uh, but The Now Now, mm, so good. Awesome. What about you? Do you have anything? I do. Um, so I'm going back to comics. Sorry. Keep the cycle. <laughs> um, so uh, my convention buddy uh and friend andy renton who is the writer and artist on owly 
um, has a new Allie book coming out. So Allie is a kind-hearted little owl who's always searching for new friends and adventure. So this is a, a young reader comic. Um, he also has some picture books with it. They're told completely without words. So he uses symbols to kind of express what Allie is thinking and his little friend Wormy is thinking. And they go on little adventures together. And it's just like a really fun introduction to comics. Um, so if you've got younger kids and you want them to get into comics, uh, or if you just want a fun picture book for them, Allie is really cool. He's a super nice guy. You should definitely check it out. And the fact that he has a new graphic novel coming out uh, has me really excited. So, yeah. That's uh, O-W-L-Y, and it's by Andy Runton. All right. So what are we looking at next week? Oh, next week. Next week we're doing uh, Season 2, Episode 9. Uh, it's called Trust No One. So we've got this, you know, third portal that we saw with the mysterious creature on the loose. And I mean, I don't want to give too much away. I just want to say <laughs> that, you know, I believe the truth is out there. Uh-oh. <laughs> is that where Mike and Scully come in? Mike and Scully? Yeah, you slipped up in one of the last episodes and you said Mike and Scully instead of Scuzzy. <laughs> oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we might, we might get a Scully in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like a good time. Yeah, should be fun. And I mean, this is the penultimate episode of the season. So I'm excited. So with that, uh, you can always find us online at Incoming Game Pod on Twitter and Incoming Game Cast on Facebook, as well as IncomingGameCast.com. If you want to find me in particular, I'm at Dudworks on various social media, Dudworks.com. If you want to find me, I'm at Sturbina Lady on Facebook and Twitter mostly and Instagram and that stuff. And our uh, theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. And I know we're just wrapping up the episode, but I'm uh, feeling a little thirsty. Can you make me an energy shake, Ben? <sighs> just this once. All right, stay frosty, folks. Game over. User wins.